Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Find your sermon outline there in your bulletin, and let's open our Bibles where we're going to start today in Matthew chapter 6, please. You'll find that on page 1503-1503 in your book rack Bible. Everybody's Bible open. We're going to be all through Scripture this morning, lots of places. As we begin this new preaching series, we're titled, entitled Renewal, or Renew, Turning Our Lenten Practices into Lifelong Pursuits. Now, a lot of us don't know much about Lent. Lent is a period of time that starts 40 days before Easter. You can trace it back for centuries. In fact, some believe that even the apostolic age appropriated themes of Lent Periods of time for fasting and prayer as we approach the uh, celebration of the Lord's risen life. And how oftentimes in our own cultures, and specifically in Protestantism, uh, we kind of shy away from sort of the liturgy. And, and for those of us that grew up in churches perhaps that had more of a liturgical background, that followed a church calendar, beginning with Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Easter, Pentecost... Uh, you're more familiar with the rhythm of the seasons and how we, all these seasons sort of lead us to a, a, a progression of, at, which climaxes at Easter and the resurrection and new life. The word Lent simply comes from the Latin word which means spring. It means newness and, and, and it's, a, it's a way of preparing our hearts. The issue around Lent is asking God, Lord, what is it in my life that needs to be cleared out? What is the clutter and the distraction that's keeping me from seeing you? And all of us, we would have to agree, all of us have things in our lives that we need to cut away so that we can see God in a more pure and more brilliant fashion in our, in our daily experience. And today is the first Sunday of Lent. Last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. That marks the 40 days coming up to Easter. If you count the six days of the week and not including Sundays, because Sunday's the celebration day. And so for six days of six weeks, the idea of Lent is, is going into the desert and preparing our hearts and saying, God, what needs to be taken away? What needs to be put down? What needs to be set aside so that I can focus my attention on you? One of the things, a couple things we're going to be practicing during Lent, the whole point of Lent is to raise the quotient level of things like prayer and scripture reading and getting alone with God and focusing on loving others and caring for others and reaching out to people. In other words, getting out of ourselves. And all of us need this. I need this. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need this. Would you do that right now? You do. Every one of us need a clearer focus couple practical things we'll be doing as a church family. One of the things we're going to encourage is more prayer in our lives. Out in our lobby, starting today, you'll see to my left and to your right, walking up on both sides of our prayer room, we now have a rock wall. There's two rock walls. And in that rock wall, sort of tapered after the idea of the western wall in Jerusalem... There are little leaflets of paper there, and one side, is for pr- one side is for prayer, that's the right side, and the left side is for praises. 
And what we'd like you to consider throughout the next six weeks, and we'll be doing this ongoing. This is not just a Lenten practice. But take, if you've got a prayer need, write it on the scroll. You can keep it anonymous. If you're using names, use a first name. You know, be careful because here's the deal. You're going to place that prayer. You're going to write it on a little piece of paper. You don't have to write it there. You can take it, come into church, think about what you want to pray for. Write it out. When you leave, you can tuck it in that wall. Find a little crack, a little crevice, and put that little prayer request in there. And then there will be throughout the month, and you can begin doing this even today, you can take one of those prayer requests, not one that you necessarily left, but you can take that, open up, you can remember to pray for that as you go throughout your day. Or you can find somewhere on this campus and pray. Or you can go in that prayer room and pray. And when you see God answer a prayer in your life, then you go to that other side of the wall and you take a little piece of paper and you say, I thank God for this. This is what I see God doing in my life. And you write that and put that in the little tuck place there and let people come by and see that and praise God for that too. We want to encourage each other through answered prayer and we want to pray for each other. And frankly, we don't do that enough. And I hope that that wall is littered with pages. That people just, you know, say, this is an opportunity for me to be prayed for. Just to give you a little visual, just so you can kind of see how it works, check out this video. Here we go. Good morning, Neighborhood Church. Pastor Mark Campbell here. Very excited to show you and explain to you how our new prayer walls here at Neighborhood Church work, modeled after the Western walls in Jerusalem. So this is our prayer request wall, and you simply just walk up to the wall Grab your piece of paper, and you can fill this out in church, anytime you're around the cafe, anytime you're around church. And when you get it filled out, these prayers stay confidential, and you place them in the wall any way you can. Any open craig is open game. And when this wall fills up, we'll be collecting these. They stay confidential, and then the prayer team and staff, uh, as they pass this wall, see all these prayers in the wall and just hold you guys up. So this is our praise wall, our praise side to the left of the prayer room. And this is where we do the same procedure and just remind ourselves of the prayers that God has answered. You write down your praise, you place it in the wall just as before. And it's very encouraging for me, and I'm sure most of us, as I'm filling the prayer request wall, as I pass by the praise wall, it reminds me that God is not only hearing our hearts, but speaking to his people and answering prayers. And hopefully the three prayers that I just placed into the prayer request side, I'll be able to stuff into the praise side. Okay, so just a little clear clarity there needed uh, because we said it a little differently there. If you have a burden to pray, which we hope you do, you'll take some of those sides and pray for people, pray for needs. We want those things prayed for, okay? You take a prayer request, you write it out, you stick it in there and know that others are going to be praying for you. Our intercessors, yes, some of our staff, but any of you. Everybody got it? Say, got it. Okay, and I hope you'll just start that at today. Another thing for the next six weeks is on our website, there will be daily readings that are going to go along with the sermons every week, daily readings, Monday through Saturday, with a little question, little time of questions, little reflection, little time to meditate on some themes there, every single day for the next 40 days, and we crescendo on Easter Sunday, okay? So that's on our website. You just go to our website, hit the tab. You can go to the daily readings for the week ahead, each day at a time. You got that? We're trying to raise the water level of saying, God, I want more of you in my life. I need to carve some things away. And so we're going to take some of the simple themes of Lent, and today we're going to jump right in, and we're already a little behind in time, so you're going to have to listen a lot faster starting right now, okay? 
What we're going to be doing today is talking about giving up a food craving. Now, one of the things you learn about Lent, if you have not practiced Lent, people that do practice Lent always come up to you and say, what are you giving up for Lent? Have you ever had that happen? And you know, most of us as Protestants, we kind of like deer in the headlights. What am I giving up? Well, I gave up an hour of sleep last night. Is that good? Does that fit, you know? No, that doesn't fit. Okay. What are you giving up? Well, the point is, it's not just to give something up, but the idea is is to go after something in your life. And the people all over the place, religious people, are going to be given some stuff up for Lent, but it's not going to make them more holy, not going to make them more spiritual. They're not going to get closer to God because they're just giving stuff up, maybe. But for the person that gives something up so that they can go after something else, that's what this season is about. And that's what this series is about. And today we're talking about giving up a food craving. Why? So we can go after the spiritual discipline of fasting with prayer. The point of giving something up, which typically at Lent is some kind of food item, it might be pizza, it might be fast food, it might be something else that you decide to give up, it might be a meal during the week, a series of meals, a series of days. I don't know how you want to do it, but I have a feeling that a lot of us have never really entered into the spiritual discipline of fasting, and it's biblical, and it's beautiful, and it has an impact in our lives. And we want to look at that this morning. When was the last time you heard a sermon on fasting? I grew up in a church that never, I never heard one thing about fasting. I didn't even know what it meant. Fast? You just walk fast? What, what is it? Fast? Fast is actually withdrawing things from your life so that you can go after other things. Five things I want you to learn about fasting quickly today. Number one, fasting is foundation to our, foundational to our spiritual development. Let's say the word foundational. I know this is a big statement. Really, is it foundational? Well, here in Matthew 6, Jesus says in verses 1, well, really just verse 1, he says, be careful not to do your, and in my Bible there's a little quotation mark, acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What are these acts of righteousness? The reason why those are in quotes is because that little phrase, acts of righteousness, comes from one Hebrew word, tzedakah. Say that, tzedakah. Say that with me. That means the fulfillment of righteousness in every Jewish person's life is the obligation to giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. If you were a committed follower of God in the Old Testament... And in this particular time, in the New Testament era, Jesus knew that those who were committed were committed to the tzedakah, the acts of righteousness, giving to the poor, almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. Now, most of us understand giving to the poor. Okay, that makes sense to us. In prayer, we understand that too. But fasting? Really? And Jesus said this is an act of righteousness when we fast, not just the denial of food, but so that we can go after a deeper relationship with God. Why? Because we love God. We love Jesus. We want to be closer to Jesus. And so we're going to just try to do things in our life to remind us of our need to hunger and thirst for Him. Let me suggest why, a simple reason why fasting as a regular practice is so foundational to our spiritual development. It's foundational because when we decide to say no to a food craving whether it's a kind of food we like or a meal or a series of meal, we are denying our body something it wants. And have you noticed that your body speaks pretty loudly about what it wants? Have you noticed that? 
If you've never tried fasting, the first thing you'll discover is, like I've discovered is, it's hard to go a few hours without popping something in your mouth. Your body's always saying, satisfy me, give me something I want. And there's something about when we decide to not let our body's cravings rule our lives. There's something very beautiful about that. The groundwork for self-control in our lives is learning to say no to our bodies so that we can say yes to a higher purpose, yes to God. Dallas Willard in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, writes this. He says, this discipline, speaking of fasting, teaches us a lot about ourselves very quickly. It will certainly prove humiliating to us as it reveals to us how much our peace depends upon the pleasures of eating. It may also bring to mind how we are using good uh, food pleasure to assuage the discomforts caused in our bodies by faithless and purposeless existence or a lack of rest or exercise. If nothing else, it will certainly demonstrate how powerful and clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolves. You know, a lot of us just eat for pleasure. We eat because we're nervous. We eat because we want to be creative. We eat, we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat. And there's something about saying no to a food craving. Why? Just so that I, am I going to be more spiritual because I just don't eat? Oh, no, that's not true. In fact, let me just suggest to you, if you decide just to go without food over the period of Lent for a period of days or a meal here or there, just the denial of food won't make you more spiritual. It might make you a little grumpy. It might. But if when you take the time to say no to a food craving in your life, you turn that opportunity as a reminder to thirst and hunger after God, oh, there's a different thing that happens in your life. It's foundational to our spiritual development. Number two, fasting allows a sense of freedom in how and when it should be done. Say the word freedom. You see, there's no absolute law to fasting. In fact, as I study the Bible, I notice that there is actually no teaching on fasting in the Bible. It's just considered as normative when people are in situations where they want to draw closer to God. And that's why I say freedom is because no one's going to give you rules on this. And you're going to have to figure out for yourself over the period of Lent how you want to fast. Um, There's two broad categories of fasting that we find in Scripture. One is the absolute fast. That's where we decide for a period of days or a definite extended period of time. We say no to food. And some of us have never even experienced that. Some of us haven't even gone a day in our lives without food. However, I would encourage you to do that occasionally just to be reminded of the fact there are people all over our culture who go daily without food. It's a good reminder to us. It speaks into our hearts about what God has blessed us with. There's an absolute fast. And we find this with Moses in Exodus 34. Remember 40 days and nights on the mountain with God? That was an absolute fast. By the way, that's a supernatural fast because nobody can go without food and water for 40 days. Uh, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness when he began his public ministry. Right out of his baptism, boom, Matthew 4, Luke 4, talk about this being thrust into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights he went without food and water. That's an absolute fast. Elijah, 1 Kings chapter 19, also 40 days when he ran from Jezreel to, uh, or to, to, from Beersheba to Mount, uh, Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai where the cave of God, where God met Moses. 40 days without food, an absolute fast. 
We find these absolute fasts in other places of Scripture. Esther, remember, when she was living in Susa with the Jews, having heard their, uh, the wicked plot of Haman and his treacherous plot, uh, she called the people of God to three days of full fasting and prayer while they searched for God, for God to have a breakthrough moment in their lives. So that's an absolute fast. You might go a period of days. You might go without a meal once a week. You might mix it up. You might do what uh, we also find in Scripture as we call not an absolute fast but a partial fast. Daniel is a good example of a partial fast. Remember when he was uh, transported from his homeland to King Nebuchadnezzar's land in Babylon. Uh, He said, I don't want to eat of the king's luxuries. For a number of days he went without the king's food and ate only vegetables. Some people call this the Daniel fast or go vegan, you know, stay away from animal products, stay away from the luxury products, so to speak. And there are a lot of people that do fasting for health purposes, but that's not what we're talking about here. Are you listening to me this morning? It's, it's not just to set aside food, it's to set aside so that we can pursue God in a way that we haven't before. And every time you get that hunger pain in your life, you're reminded of your need to hunger for God. That's a powerful thing in our lives, to be reminded. And my metabolism is such that when I stop eating, my body almost immediately starts saying, hello, 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 hello. And maybe that's true for you too. And every time that hunger pang comes up, I'm reminded. I'm saying, God, thank you for that reminder. I want to remember, God, what you want to do in my life. You need to take precedence in my life. Partial fast might be what you choose. It might be to say, you know, for the time of Lent, I'm going to give up a certain food item. I'm going to give up uh, bread, or I'm going to give up sweets, or I'm going to give up this or that, whatever. And, and there's freedom in all of this. In one week, it might be one thing. Another week, it might be another thing. The point is, don't get, hot, don't get caught up in the form. See the form as something that will carry you into a deeper desire to search after the living God so you might follow him with all your heart to be dedicated to him and all of us could use this in our lives the point is that there is freedom fasting is foundational there's freedom in it thirdly fasting is a means to draw closer to God for the things we face in life say that little phrase the things we face in life And I've gone through lots of scripture for this sermon. I just want to give you five categories that stood out to me that I think are good times to fast. If you're taking notes, number one, it's a good time to fast and and pray when you're facing a crisis. You might be facing a crisis today. I found this in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there really quickly. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning in verse 3. And this is... uh, a period of time where King Jehoshaphat is informed that some great armies of Ammon and Moab, some warring people are coming together and coming to fight against Jehoshaphat and God's people. And he's alarmed, it says in verse 3 of Second Chronicles 20. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. What does he do? He proclaims a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek the Lord. Remember, a fast is not just the denial of food, but so that we can go after a deeper, closer relationship with the living God. And Jehoshaphat's account gives us the reminder that sometimes when we face crisis, it's good to proclaim a fast. And I mean by proclaiming a fast, I mean for yourself. 
And of course, we could do this as a church. I know churches that do this. Every Wednesday, we're going to fast. I mean, we could practice that during Lent as well. I didn't feel as led to do that because I think it should be at least as a first step stepping into this as something that as an individual we decide to do, but there would be nothing wrong if we said, hey, every one of us, let's get on board with this time to seek the Lord. We need to seek the Lord corporately. We need to seek the Lord individually. In verse 12 of 2 Chronicles 20, I love what Joshua says. He says, we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but look at this. What our eyes are, where? On you. All right, so this is really easy to get a timeless principle. Wherever I feel attacked or under great adversity, wherever in my life I don't really know what to do, it is a great time to fast and pray. Anyone facing a crisis today? You got a crisis in your family, you got a marital crisis, you got a crisis with one of your kids, you got a crisis with finances, you got a crisis with your job, you got a crisis in relationships, you got a personal crisis, you're melting down on the inside, you got crisis going in your life. Hey, good time to just say, I'm going to deny myself certain things, I'm going to deny myself food so that I can pursue the living God. God tells Jehoshaphat, if you read through that chapter, he says, basically, Jehoshaphat, this is my battle, not yours. Whatever crisis you're facing today, let it be a reminder to us that every battle of our life belongs to the Lord. And as we draw near to him, we'll get God's side on the matter. And we can trust him to pull us through, to take us through, to get us through, to bring us through so that we can be on the other side of that thing in his time, having accomplished whatever he wants to accomplish through that, all for his glory. It's good to fast and pray when you're in crisis. Here's another one. It's good to fast and pray when needing God's provision and protection for a special journey in your life. I I found that in the book of Ezra, where Ezra, as he and the other Israelites were leaving their exile to come back to uh, Jerusalem at the Ahava Canal, it says there in uh, verse 31, or excuse me, verse 21, there by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children and all our possessions. Ezra is saying, God, we need to humble ourselves. We, we're heading back on a journey. We're going back to our homeland And we need your protection. There's a lot of bandits out there. There's a lot of things that could go wrong in our lives. And we just want to depend on you. We want to humble ourselves before you. And then later in that chapter, verses 31 and 32, Ezra says, We set out to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and he protected us from our enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived in Jerusalem where we rested for three days. It's a point in which uh, Ezra and the exiles said, You know, we're going to humble ourselves and seek the Lord. Maybe you're planning an important journey in your life, a trip, a vacation, an adventure. Maybe it's your life journey right now. Maybe you need God's guidance, your protection. Maybe you need to humble yourself before God today and say, God, as I head into college, as I go into this new career, as I'm in this new relationship, as I go out on mission, God, I need your protection. I need your provision. That's a great time to set aside time to pray and fast. Thirdly, It's a good time to fast and pray when we realize we've wandered from the Lord and our need of of spiritual restoration, of confession and repentance. I saw that in the book of Nehemiah chapter 9 
where Nehemiah and the Israelites come together after rebuilding the wall and hearing the word of God read to them by Ezra, remember? It had been so long, and it pierced their hearts. The word of God pierced their hearts. And when they came together, the text tells us as they came, they came fasting and wearing sackcloth and having dust on their heads. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the wickedness of their fathers. When was the last time that was the spirit and attitude of your heart? Man, God, I have been away. Been in church every week, gone through the motions. I've been involved, but I have been away from you. And in a crowd this size this morning, there are some of us who are here in body, but our hearts are a million miles from God. We can't even remember the last time our hearts broke for anything that God's heart breaks for. We are cold and steely and we have pushed away and we're cynical or we're involved in other things in our lives that we shouldn't. We're following sinful patterns. We're back into the the depths of sin that we were saved from. And even though God's grace is still over that, we know that there's a sense of, of, of loss in our hearts. Anyone here today that's wandered from God, separated in their spirit from God, yet Thankfully, under God's grace and his mercy, not on the deeds that we have done, God is still gracious and merciful and still waiting for us, still wants to fill his joy in our hearts. A good time to fast and pray when we've wandered from the Lord. Seek the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Here's another time it's good to fast and pray when entering a special season of ministry where the vigilance of the enemy needs to be high, our vigilance for the enemy. I think of Jesus in Matthew 4 where he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan comes and tempts Jesus, deciding, des- de- uh, desiring to derail Jesus' ministry from the outset. And Jesus knowing this, this is not coincidental, that Jesus would choose a period of time for fasting and prayer as he would meet head on the temptations of the enemy, the onslaught of the enemy, and as he would prepare for the journey and the mission that his heavenly Father had sent him to earth to accomplish. And my friends, if Jesus needed that in his life, we need this in our lives too. We need to set up a a season where there's a hyper-vigilance of what the enemy is going to try to do to dissuade us from being the people that God wants us to be. I also saw in Scripture... It's a good time to fast with prayer when just during the normal rhythm of personal and corporate ministry. And I saw that in the book of Acts on a couple of occasions. Acts 13, people of God have gathered, they're praying, they're seeking the Lord. And out of that, let's set, you know, the Holy Spirit says, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work in which I've called them to do. It was just the natural habit. It was the rhythm of the early church to fast and pray. In fact, there's so little mention, I think, sometimes of this whole idea of fasting and prayer, I think, because it was just a normal part of a truly devoted follower of Christ. You know, about a year ago, I was sitting in a restaurant across town with a friend of mine. He's born and raised a Catholic, and he, we got to talking about Lent. 
It was in February of last year, and he asked me what I was giving up for Lent. This kind of started a little mental discussion for me, and I, I kindly corrected that in our tradition, we typically don't practice Lent. However, we practice the spiritual disciplines of fasting and prayer and scripture reading and all these things. And so he goes, oh, that sounds really interesting. He goes, when was the last time you fasted? As I took a big bite of a mama burger. And it sort of struck me that I had been sort of thin on the, on the fasting side, talked about it, encouraged others to do it, but it had been really spotty in my life, no real pattern in my life. And the Holy Spirit used that conversation. Holy Spirit said, this is something you need to focus more in your life. And so, and I've made a couple references to it if you've been around for the last year. You know, I, I didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to teach on it until I felt like I had enough rhythm of it in my own life where I could say something of, of substance. And so for the last... 14 or months or so, I've been practicing my own little rhythm of fasting. And, and I don't want to go into a lot of detail about it because really I think it's between God and me. But I can tell you that there's a period of time every month for about a week where I just deny myself. And there's different ways I do it. There's series of days and there's partial days that I just decide, you know, I, I'm going to deny my body its desire, its craving for food. And, and there's some things that I've learned during those times. First, I've learned that in every single time I've practiced that, there has been an intensification of warfare in my life. I mean, things that come out of, I mean, nowhere. Or I say, are you kidding me? Now, maybe it's because I'm just more aware. That could be one big part of it. But I also believe that when you decide to take some things away so you can pursue God, the enemy hates that. And he wants to discourage you and he wants to bring things into your life, circumstances to make you say, ah, it's not worth it, forget it. I've got too many things going. Intensification of warfare. I've also experienced an intensification of God's presence and power in the most beautiful ways. I have felt more close to God during these seasons of fasting every month for the last 14 months that I've had in my life than I've ever experienced in my life. Times where I have wept by myself opening God's word and scripture and just feeling his presence and the beauty of his presence. I've also felt an intensification of awareness of needs around me. Suddenly as I feel that hunger pang over my heart, I am sensitively aware that there are other people that have a hunger in their lives too. And while they're satiating it with the things of the world and sin and garbage and problems and sometimes innocuous things just like food or brain-draining things like TV and media, we mask our needs and I'm reminded in those times that our greatest need is Christ. I've also found more joy. I've also found more spiritual energy in my life. You know, when I get to the end of a fast, whatever period of time that I'm fasting, uh, you know, a lot of times people think that you're going to be downtrodden or whatever, but I feel energized. It's like I've had three cups of coffee at Cafe Four, you know, and I am just like, and I think that that's because the Spirit of God is more alive in my heart. I share those and I, I, I say, Lord, you know, I want to be careful here because this is just a little window into my personal life, but I, but I also don't want to present teaching this morning without a sense in which, hey, this is a beautiful practice, it's a beautiful discipline, and you might need to wade in a little bit. You don't need to start, you know, don't go home and say, wow, that sounds awesome. I'm not going to eat until next Sunday. You know, I wouldn't suggest that. And, and maybe you have medical issues, make sure you, you consult with your doctor if you're going to take several days on as a fast. But a great way to do it would be say, you know, for this week, this first week of, of Lent, I'm going to just decide to take one meal. I'm going to just fast breakfast or I'm going to fast 
lunch. You know, don't get cute and say, I'm going to fast between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. every day this week. You know, we can always look for loopholes in how to do this. This is not what we're talking about. God doesn't care if you kind of did a cute little like you've worked it out. No. God wants us to say, I need you, Lord. I want you in my life. And if that means putting aside some food cravings so that I can be reminded of it, all the better. All right. Well, we're out of time. But we got two more things to look at. So what are we going to do? All right. Well, let me... For those of you that just wouldn't be able to go home without these blanks being filled in. (laughs) This is easy. Fasting, number four, affords us a feast of a different kind. And that's the whole point. Jesus said to his disciples in John 4, when they came, saying, Rabbi, eat something. Remember, our our speaker last week said that. Eat something, Lord, so we can eat too. (laughs) And Jesus said, I have food that you don't know anything about. My food is to do the will of of him who sent me. And there's something about fasting when we pursue the Lord that feeds us in ways that everything else wouldn't. And then lastly, fasting requires we don't fool around with how we implement it. There's a lot of warnings in the scripture about fasting. Like in Matthew 6 where we started today, Jesus said, When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites by disfiguring their faces and show that they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Jesus warned that we should not fast to be seen by men. That doesn't mean that people shouldn't see that we're fasting. He's saying if the motive for fasting is so that people say, oh, look at that person, look at their fasting. If that's the motive, that's all you're going to get. You're going to get applause or pity from people that observe it. But if you do it for the right heart, it doesn't matter who sees it or what's going on in your life, the Lord sees it. And the Lord sees that you're trying to follow him more closely in your life. Don't fool around with fasting. Don't abstain from food without engaging your heart toward God. You can also fool around with fasting when you become proud that you're fasting. And I had to check my own heart in this. You know, when you fast, you kind of feel like you're depriving yourself and there's a real subtle thing to start thinking you're more spiritual than other people. You're not. It's a humbling moment. It's a moment to realize I am desperate as a sinner. I need grace in my life because I see my sinfulness more clearly. Thirdly, you can fool around with fasting, as I said earlier, when you desire to be noticed by others. It's not wrong that people know you fast. It's wrong to to do it so that you will be noticed. Okay. So I'm inviting you today. Listen, don't fold your pages up here. Listen. I'm inviting you to not just give up a food craving for the Lenten season, but to pursue a lifelong pursuit of fasting with prayer. And it may just change not only your life, but this church and this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, if you've never opened your heart to Christ, (laughs) don't try a spiritual discipline until you have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you can invite him into your heart right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we need your life in us and we need more of you. And we know, Lord, you don't come in quantity. It's maybe even a little foolish to pray it that way. But what we mean, Lord, is that we have so many distractions 
that we allow to crowd you out. And for the next six weeks, we're going to talk about those distractions. And I pray, Jesus, that you would let lit, light our hearts anew on fire for you. And all this motion that we go through, Lord, would be cast aside and we'd become real people that are devoted to you from the core of our being. And Lord, if you brought someone to this service today that needs a personal relationship with you, you brought them to this service so that they might know that your grace given to us when you went to the cross and died and rose again from the grave. You paid the ultimate price. You went into the desert for us. You took that cross to Calvary, Lord. You hung there, died, bled, suffered. What little sacrifices we do on earth pale in view of your grand sacrifice for us. And so we cry out, Lord Jesus, we want you. We want only you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.